Hi everyone, welcome to episode number 46 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Today we go in a little bit of a direct, different direction with our guest Ryan Ketchum, who is a very successful, basically fitness business coach. So we're going to have an episode dedicated to a lot of that, although we will sneak in there some tips and ideas from Ryan in his own career as a fitness professional and to help our enthusiast listeners. So we actually go into the recent explosion of business and uh, social media coaches and how not a lot of them are necessarily all that great and how to find a good one. Um, talking about how with Ryan's work, how he coaches other trainers can magnify his ability to affect more people positively, which is huge. We talk about what it takes to truly be successful as a trainer or a fitness business owner the rise in online coaching and what implications that has for the industry and whether or not that's a net positive for us. And we get into fitness and fitness marketing and sales and how that sometimes can be seen as a negative, but how important it is and how everybody should navigate it. Uh, Thanks for checking out our episode and uh, hopefully you enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hey everyone, how you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Andrew Coates here. Uh, sometimes we forget to introduce ourselves. You might hear two voices and uh, not be sure who's who. Dean, say something. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, my, my voice is off. I'm still kind of wrecked from houseboating. But he's, we won't get into that. Uh, he's Garth to my Wayne sometimes. <laughs> so uh, if you're old enough to remember that, if you don't, just pretend I didn't make a stupid joke from the, what, the early 90s. Uh, so... If you work in the fitness industry at all, uh, you have a presence on social media, maybe you've noticed recently uh, that business coaches are kind of everywhere. Uh, they're adding you to Facebook, uh, they're messaging you, they're trying to follow you on Instagram, pitching their services, and I'm quite sure if you are skilled and genuine in their desire to help, uh, some feel a little salesy, and quite honestly, they're very young and without uh, a demonstrated track record of business success to back up their pitch. But today we've got Ryan Ketchum, the co-owner of Fitness Revolution Nation, and Ryan's the other end of that spectrum. He's the guy with the demonstrated track record of building successful fitness businesses and running them, and his companies work with, well, you could probably tell me just how many fitness professionals uh, to help them grow, succeed, and while this episode may, <clears throat> on the surface, seem more fitness professional focused, uh, Ryan's also got a really cool story, and he's going to have some great info to help in this uh, help and inspire the enthusiast listeners who are working on their fitness goals. So let's actually start here. Um, with the more recent explosion of the f- business and uh, social media coaches in and around the fitness industry, why are we seeing this? And what is your advice for any fitness professional in seeking the aid of a qualified coach? What will set the good coaches apart from the rush of people thinking it's an easy way to make money without doing a lot of work? And he didn't even breathe. FYI. Ah. I was really, <laughs> I know, that was impressive. Yeah. yeah. Was really so good. why are we seeing this surge of coaches, right? That's the big question. Yeah. Um, it's opportunity, right? So fitness has exploded. Um, and you look back at the track record, like you made the, I love the Wayne's World reference. I like camera one, camera two from the beginning of the show. Yep. Um, but if you go back to like 2006 or so, 2008, People didn't know what CrossFit was. They didn't know, like, they thought working out just meant you go paid a, a membership at a gym and you did this thing. And, like, none of the the mainstream fitness activities that we see today, obstacle course races, um, CrossFit, love it, hate it, whatever, it's done a whole lot for the industry and educating the general public on what they need to be doing or ways that, that can get them involved into fitness. Um and then we look at now the explosion of these like franchise models, the orange theory, a thing like that with these group training things. And fitness is kind of taken on a life of its own. We're a really young industry. So we see this giant spike, it's like a hockey stick growth curve of new opportunities and new people entering into this. And you pair that with like, at least in the States, like we've had an ep- economic upturn, right? So now there's more people that have disposable income. So there are more opportunities for customers. Um, so anytime you see that, now there's a new increase in fitness professionals, people going into this, maybe lasting a little longer than they would have before. So you're going to have people that come in and try to jump into that and go into this coach role. Um, and then the at the same time, simultaneously, 
the like the being a business coach or teaching people how to be a business coach or whatever crazy schemes there are out there that has become incredibly popular with the the entrepreneurial world, right? Um, and then you've got this third layer, which is um, with millennials or this younger generation coming up. They're much more entrepreneurial mindset. Like they're cool to just like they're cool to make their own income. They're they are cool to do these more altruistic things that they want to do that create an impact. And so you blend all this together. I think that's why we see this surge. Now we also can get our reach out bigger, faster, easier than ever with social media and all of those tools. So it's like this perfect storm for people that see an opportunity to come in. And this is harsh, but I'll say it anyway. Like prey on the people that are struggling in the industry. And I get that. I talk a lot about the struggles that fitness professionals have in my marketing. Um, I don't want to apologize for that because I have to kind of, I got to dig in the pain a little bit to make sure that they know that they need a little help. And, but at the same time, you can't be there to prey on that. You can't be in there to churn and burn and just like give somebody a strategy, sell them a $5,000 coaching program or whatever it is um, with no real means to help people out. Um, and it also seems like this really glamorous, uh, awesome career to have to coach someone else, right? Or coach people and you think, oh, I can just make more money doing that. And I think that's why we saw this surge overall. Um, and I think it comes along with any industry, right? I, I'm not too threatened by the competition of all this stuff either. The same as I wouldn't have been if I was a trainer because I had known that I'm, I'm at the cream, right? I'm the cream at the top. I'm going to rise to the top no matter what. And all that happens with this other bad stuff is that – People see that there are better options out there, and, and they'll fall off, right? Like, it's just going to happen. The dangers to that are a bad business coach, a lot like a bad trainer. So we always tell our clients, we are to you exactly what you are to your clients. So like, we are the personal trainer for the trainer. And we deal with the same problems and challenges you deal with with your clients and all of those things. So the danger is... If a fitness enthusiast goes or someone that has a fitness goal goes and hires a trainer and they get a bad trainer, like I'm not talking just like new or raw, like bad, like they just fucking suck and they hurt them or they shame them into thinking there's only one way to do this. You're not good enough. And they scare them away from fitness altogether. Now we may never get a chance to re to reintroduce that person to fitness. It might be lost altogether. That's the risk with the fitness professional because we're dealing with their life, their career, uh, their income, and we could cripple their business if we're a business coach and a bad business coach. One or two bad coaching tips can ruin somebody's business. And that could push them out of the industry altogether when they could have had a great career in this industry and done a lot of good, helped a lot of people. Um, so we take what we do really seriously. I don't think everybody takes it that seriously, um, but we see it in the fitness world too. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. It's not that it seems like they don't take it seriously. It's almost like they have like this roadmap that they went to a conference, got handed to them and you're like, you got to do this, get on your Instagram, put a story, a challenge, fucking have a, a webinar, which is fine, but it's like they're on the same landing page on the same funnel click site and they're messaging the same people on the same friends list. And it's just like, that's not, I don't know. When you say cream, I say that the cream, like the first thing I thought about when I've had all these propositions is guys like you. I'm like, well, Ryan didn't seem like he was like that. Like, and like, I just don't get it. Ryan will just email spam the living bejesus out of things, but that's old school. Which, but uh, I mean, I'm going to get Ryan's emails for It years. seems like they all went to the same course with the same person, and, and then that kind of pyramided into everything else, and then now we're just flooded with it. Where, like, I don't even know. Sorry, I, it, this is just the perfect timing. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that I've obviously been thinking a lot about, too. You and I have been chatting. Um, I sometimes see what, like, I, there are a bunch of people who I think actually are legitimately good business coaches Absolutely. out there. We've had several on our podcast talking less about it. This episode's a bit more about it. Eric Bach has been on our podcast, Mark Fisher. I, I don't think we talked at all with Mark Fisher about it. And Mark is a world class human being. And, an example, like a shining example of success in our industry. The guy has been successful. Pete Dupuis is going to be with us in two weeks on a podcast. And again, Pete is another guy who has the demonstrated track record of success. Nick Sorrell does this sort of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I see other people out there in the industry who I've never heard of them. I don't know them in our world. And all of a sudden they're trying to message me saying, we're going to help you with your, your social media. We're going to help you with your fitness business. You probably get those. That'd be funny, actually. I get the same exact thing, right? So I have people that 
that hit me up. And I won't knock the hustle. Like, no. If somebody just doesn't have the brand awareness out there, I get that. Um, and I like go chase people. Right? Go prospect. You do what you have to do. I think there's a wrong way to do it. There's a right way to position yourself there. Um, at the end of the day, it's can you deliver the results? Yeah. Um, that's that's the big one. Um, and and sometimes when you're just starting out. You may only have your story, or you need to develop some case studies with this. It's like you know, I, I can't get prove that I have a result until I have some people to work with. So how do I get the people to work with me? Um, it's like where do I start? And trainers said the same thing. I I need case studies, I need testimonials of clients, I need success stories. But if I haven't worked with anybody or just a handful of people, how do I get those? So you got to figure that stuff out. I mean, maybe you do some stuff for free. Maybe you help a few people out. Like there's all sorts of ways to go about it. The key is, is it's the guys, like you said, Dean, that look like they go to a course. So they see this model online, and I don't even think that they're smart enough to invest in a course. How bad it really is, is I think they go through somebody else's funnel, yeah, and then they just model that funnel, and they copycat it, and they say, oh, I should run this Facebook ad to this uh, type of landing page to get a call scheduled, and then I do this, um, and, you know... People teaching Facebook ads are maybe the worst at this overall. <laughs> They're comparable to the business coach world, um, where they I put them in the same like insane conversion rates. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh, you'll do like five bucks a lead, and you're going to convert fifty percent of them. You'll make twenty five thousand dollars in your first week. Like, I I would love to see that. I'd love to see the proof of that. Like, show me the back end, and I want to see that. That's one thing that you got me on was this proof aspect because even. <laughs> I made like a, I was in a bad mood yesterday, so I made a really sarcastic post on Facebook because I've been getting like a lot, but I think it's just, there's a string of people that I added as friends and anyways, I fucked up. But someone recommends someone, go to their page and it's like, I turn six, I turn 10,000k a year businesses into multiple six figures and this guy looked like he was like 23 years old and like he's blatantly lying. (laughs) <laughs> like that's what I don't like. Like just ha- like maybe he does, but like let's see it then. That would be the first like picture I have, or like the first thing I have. And like, none of there's a lot of people that don't have those. Mm. Like they don't like I, they just got into it and they just lied. And that's what I I don't mind the hustle. Like sweet, like show me what you can do or show me what you are doing. But these guys are literally just saying no. I I did it and I'm doing it. I rented a condo in Miami and this is mine. <laughs> I think the other thing too is is to talk to people in the industry who have worked with coaches and you'll get a pretty clear idea of the people who are legit. I mean you get you get someone like a Bedros Kuliad who is you know like that guy is he's on another level but at the same time that guy's got a really demonstrated uh sick like success over time he may not be affordable to someone who is a you know a, a personal trainer who's just trying to build their business but uh at least that guy there's a lot of big name people who've worked with him and helped to bid pat rigsby is another one i think who um i saw him speak live so there are good people out there depending on what you're looking for as well right um i guess we should probably ask the next question yeah i'll stop bitching well, we'll bit, we'll bitch more. Um, so I guess we got kind of talked about training and how that like affects, well, we affect more than one person, but in the moment we affect one person. How did this transition into, I guess, coaching trainers to do their business? Like what was the purpose behind that? And like, how did that translate into like magnifying, helping more people through that? Because essentially you're coaching people, which is helping myself or other people coach other people. And you kind of get that string there. So kind of just talk on that a little bit. I'm really glad that you asked this question that rarely ever comes up whenever it's like, how'd you get started? Yeah. I, you know, we have to go all the way back to when I first opened my business. And so I graduated college and my goal was to continue to compete in track and field. Um, I was an international level like competitor. Um, and so was going to just, oh, well, I was in the fitness industry anyway, or I was going to be in that anyway. Like, that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't know if it was strength coach or what. Yeah. Um, realized that wasn't the path quickly. So I, was, I still need to continue my training. What do I do? And so I jumped right in and said, well, you know, naively, I'll just start my own business because I can make a little bit of money, make my own hours, still train myself, do that. Um, so I got into that and as soon as that career ended, like the track and field career, I used career loosely because I, I never made any money doing that. But <laughs> what'd you do um, again? It was everything that I did. What's that? What'd you do again? Totally free. Shot put and discus. Oh, oh yeah. 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 So like a hundred pounds ago, shot put and discus. Um, <laughs> so um, you and Dan John, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, there's so many throwers in our little circle too, like Derek Woodski, the Sorenex guys. Uh, they're all big throwers. So um, funny story is I actually did business coaching for an Olympic gold medalist who was my idol when I was throwing, which was kind of this weird turn of events thing. Uh, but when I got into that, you know, I love the training side. I still have a huge passion for fitness. I got to listen to podcasts about fitness. I read books on fitness, uh, nutrition. I still love that part of it. And as I was coming up through the industry and growing my business and just trying to learn, like, how do I make this something that is more than just like, I'm always scraping by. Um, I'm always worried where the next client's going to come from. How do I do that? I took that competitive nature from track and turned it into, I'm going to be the best trainer. And to be the best trainer, you had to have a lot of clients to get clients and you had to market. So I figured all that stuff out and grew really fast. And I just focused on like, I got to be better than everybody else. And I got to learn how to market and do this a little differently than what I see other people doing. And at some point in my career, I had to come to this, this decision. Like it was a fork in the road of, I know that I'm meant for something bigger than just like my community, right? I, I want to do something with my clients and I didn't have like any great ideas on training or nutrition. I, I just, I studied what worked. I learned from other people and I applied it with my clients and I got good results, but I really didn't have like, you know, anything special to share. The other thing that scared me about fitness, and this is kind of weird for me to say this, but I'm super transparent, is people come and go, like the trends turn so fast that if you build your reputation on a trend, um, whether it's, you know, hit or CrossFit or, you know, barbell or whatever the hell the trend might be at the time, like it's going to chew you up and spit you out because it's it's hard to build your, your presence and your brand with that. I don't have anything special. So I said, well, what is nobody else doing that I like doing? I liked the business side. I came to like that, and no one else was really doing that. Like, that was a bigger opportunity for me. So I decided I'm going to go all in on that. And if I knew if I could become a business owner that was really successful, I could employ a team of other trainers. We could help a lot of people in my community. Um, I'm really proud to say that out of my previous facility, um, I can think of at least a half dozen of the trainers that worked for me or interned for me went off to open their own business. And I think a majority are still in the industry, which is pretty rare. Yeah. Um, and so thinking of that, it's like I can have a bigger impact this way. And what ended up happening to get to your question, like why work with trainers now to help them make a bigger impact? How, why do that? It was at some point it became about more than just me. I kind of I felt like I reached my potential. I'd done everything I could do in my location. There was not no other challenges there for me. I I could run that business and do it really well. And all it really was is like there's always going to be some headaches or things, but I wasn't going to be happy doing yeah. that. I felt like I had some extra. I had some special things I could share with this community of fitness professionals that would help them accelerate their career. For me to not go there would be pretty selfish in me. Um, and it is. If we can help the best of the best in the fitness industry rise up, they can then provide those careers for other people. They then have more trainers that are out there that can stay in the industry that can then help more people. And, and I think that's what it's all about. Right? And so that's where this got to is I think it'd be kind of selfish for us to not share this stuff. Because it'd be easily way more lucrative for us to go to a zip different vertical that has a lot more money in it and do business coaching that way. Yeah. Right? We, I could go do real estate. I could go do any of these other things, some, some of the things my skill sets naturally are, and I can make two, three times as much money as I do working my ass off to do this. But I would never be fulfilled. Well, that, that's kind of cool, too, because it's like... And not the tr trash and everyone else, but you kind of, like you said, you reached your potential and it was partly just cause like, you're just looking to do more. Like you were fine. Like you could have, like you said, you could have ran that business and life would have been great. It's just like you wanted a challenge. And I think that's a more altruistic, I guess, path than you weren't looking, like you're probably looking for money, but you also were like, you're good. So you had the, the ability to help others from that place a lot better than what I'm seeing a lot of people do, mm -hmm. which makes you a lot more impactful. Because I guess you're all in. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, mean, I sold that gym and sold it to my partner. I mean, kind of just went in and was like, "Hey, I think I'm done." Like, yeah. Um, I 
if we were going to run that business, it, I was going to want to make some changes to make it very pro. Like, yeah. I just wanted to focus on profit, streamline it, like still deliver a good service, but I needed to reduce the moving parts. Like we had a very big business. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, for me, I need to go chase this thing. I need to go do this. For me to do this, I can't be constantly pulled back in yeah. and have to deal with a little fire here, a little fire there. I want to just be turnkey. And if we couldn't do that, like and I, I'm like, I just kind of want out. Like I'm ready to go. Like let's figure out how to make this work. You can have it. Like let's let's do that. And I'm gonna go in with this. And yeah, um, I went all in. I remember the time I made the decision. Um, I asked my my wife and I, I said, let's go for a walk. Like it was at dinner. <laughs> and I think I just like I said I'm pretty sure I'm gonna sell my half of the business. And she looked at me like, what the hell are you going to do? Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Like, but I'm pretty sure I'm done. Um, and you know, she, luckily she supports me with whatever. <laughs> she has some questions. There were some concerns there. But I was like, I, I think I'll make build. it work. Like, we've got this. And I was doing coaching at the time still, right? Yeah. I was working with my current business partner, Nick. Um, I, we, I was doing this. I just This was where I was going to put it. I was going to push all the chips in and say, we're going to ride or die with this thing here. Um, let's do it. Um, and we've made that decision for our company as well. We used to have five or six different brands. At one time, I think we had 12 brands uh, behind the scene. And then recently, we've put all of our focus, all of our team's focus into this um, within the last two years. Is we think this is the thing. Like, this is the one thing that we're going to do. Um, which in this world of like, you know, multiple streams of revenue and all that stuff seems kind of counterintuitive. Um, but like, this is the one, like, we'll, we'll put all our cards into the, or all our chips into this one. That'd be an interesting walk. I wonder what she thought you were going to talk to her about. <laughs> she but, used to like some kind of crazy, insane ideas. So <laughs> you did it in public though. So that's good. I'm leaving everything. Let's, we're keeping you though. <laughs> let's go a little deeper into, you know, success as a, excuse me, <clears throat> trainer and a fitness business owner, um, in, in your view, what does it take to truly be successful doing those? And what would you say to people who think that uh, just being good at training is enough to be successful? Yeah, there's a term we like to use called pay to play. Um, and being good at what you do right now in the fitness industry is pay to play, right? It's, you have to be good at what you do. There's too much competition out there. Um, it's really not for me to judge whether you're good or not. Um, I think... I'm a big believer that a lot of different things work for different people and I'm, I don't take like this one approach to getting results in fitness or nutrition for myself. I didn't do that for my clients. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to work with people. So I just assume that people like you need to be good at what you do or you're not going to survive in this industry. Um, I think it might have been Al Vermeil. Who we like? It was a Facebook thing, and somebody replied about marketing, and I replied back with like, "This is what I think it is," and he's like, you know, "This is what's wrong with the industry," and it's that kind of old mindset. And like, I was a great coach, right? Legend, like a legend, but it's that mindset that like it, you won't survive in this game anymore. Like, if you had a strength coach role where you're just like going from job to job and you're growing in that role. And somebody else is paying you a salary to deliver service. Maybe you just got to be good at what you do. If you're really a business owner, not going to work that way anymore. Um, and even the strength coaches now, Ron McKeefrey, Brett, Brett Bartholomew, all those guys out there that are making big waves in the industry, they've got their side business. Like Their business is their brand. They get it. Um, and they're marketing it. So you've got to be able to develop some skills as a business owner. First thing, deliver results, be able to get word of mouth and referral marketing and, and leads and clients coming in. After that, now we have to go through this path and there's a journey that every fitness business owner takes. So first is like, you just got to learn how to sell. How can you get people to pay you to do what you love to do and to get them result, right? Because a lot of trainers start doing this for free. And one of the biggest problems they have is they can't ask for money. <laughs> they, they don't know how to get somebody to say, yes, pay me what I'm worth. And for whatever reasons, there's a lot of reasons that they can't ask for money, but they won't ask to pay what they're worth to get deliver this service. So first, you got to learn how to sell. From there, we got to learn how to market. So now it's okay. I got my foundations. Now, how do I get more people in? And after we get to that piece, like so, once I get the marketing coming in, now time management becomes an issue. 
how do I do all this? Oh, if I get more leads, if I bring in more clients, I can't sell anymore. I can't market anymore because I'm always training clients. My schedule's full. I got all these things. I'm working 18 hours a day. What do I do? So now we have to learn how to delegate, how to create systems so that things are running behind the scenes. And <clears throat> excuse me, I hate systems because when I say that, everyone is going to think automation, and that's not what it means. Systems should make the job easier for the person doing that in your business. It should help amplify that person, not just automate everything. Like we are in a industry where we have to deal with people. Even even my business, we do almost everything exclusively online, and we still have to deal with people and interact with people. Like that's what we do. We can't automate everything. Like it's just not going to happen. So you have to figure out how can I get the results that I want but do it as efficiently as possible while delivering that result. From there, then it's hiring a team, building a team, and now you have to learn how to do these other things, which is like, how do I manage people? How do I lead people? How do I get results through other people without it just being me? Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes in between there to get there, but those are some of the skills, right? Like, you just can't be good at what you do. Now you have to transition. You gotta make this like transformation from fitness pro to business pro. And, and how am I gonna, if I wanna turn this into something that produces a great living, how do I become a business pro as well? Um, and you have to do that most of the time without losing your identity as the fitness pro, right? It doesn't mean that you're a bad person because you know how to run a business. Um, it just means that, hey, things are gonna be a little easier for you in terms of what you can earn uh, if you are able to make that transition. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things, I guess, if we're even talking like what I have trouble with, as I got into it, like, and I haven't, I, I switched from a teacher to training fairly recently, but it was one of those things where, yeah, if you work and overextend yourself working, you can't do all those other things. And it's almost like you, even if I hear that word pay to play, like you got to almost make less so you can do more so you can do more in the future. And that, that's kind of what I found is I'll block off schedules of time. Like I almost work a little bit less than some of my colleagues just because I'm doing all that other stuff to be better. And that has been more I guess beneficial for me was like paying to get all the other stuff. So in the future I'm set up, but like that takes time and money. And I don't think people are willing to, they just want to grind out hours. You know I, what I mean? And I've been traditionally kind of guilty of that. Like uh, yesterday, for example, I had 10 client sessions all stacked in a row. That's not a typical day, but that was yesterday. And I was pretty brain fried by the end of it, you know, keep an energy up for everybody. I always like the phrase, you know, your last client of the day, it's still there for a session. So, you know, you have to, yeah. you know, bring it all that same energy as if you did for the first one. But when I get stuff like that, I mean, I don't even time to ha have time to sit down there, and fucking eat there's food, one let alone... You know, put the time and effort into building the systems to grow beyond it. There's one person, so, and you know Dean Somerset. He's the only one where I've seen that, like, works 35 to, like, he was in, like, 50 sessions a week sometimes. And has done, but that was, that was a long time ago. The industry was a little bit different, but, like, don't use him as a model. You will die. Yeah. Well, Dean <laughs> seems, to, seems to have the ability to, you know, block off little chunks of time, get all these sort of things done. He's super efficient with his stuff. That's he, stacks, he stacks and, and groups his stuff. Funny enough, uh, like Dean, before I started with the same company we were both with for a long time, Dean, I, he was a session monster, but as pretty quickly as time went on, I'd actually out-session him on the yearly totals every time. So he was pretty nuts, but he was always way up in the thick of it. But then he's going off and traveling and speaking. So realistically, he still somehow is putting way more time into his That's business and growth than even I was. I was just banging out hours. And, and I was one of those guys that, yeah, there's a lot of benefit and a lot of experience you gain from doing that stuff. But at a certain point, you still have to figure out a way to, as a fitness professional, if you want to help more people and you want to have a more successful business, to step beyond that, he's great at it. And I actually think I always struggle with it. You got to pay, man. What, what What's your thoughts? And this is kind of random. And this is just because that pay to play like really resonated with me. Um, continuing ed for trainers, because like that's another thing. So like where, I guess before you start to transition into like bigger things business-wise, like is that a recommendation for you to like actually get good at your job by like, paying to like learn more i guess because it's it's just tough for a lot of people i think there's a couple things with it i think you should like you do need to invest in your continued education so it's all about what's my number one priority right now so if i look at this like how i would coach someone through is it, what's your number one goal right now um and so we might look at 90 days we might go 30 days depends where they're at maybe it's an annual goal and they're going to tell me a lot of different things um for us, it's obviously a lot of revenue generation needed 
whatever that might be, right? So then we start breaking it down. Well, what's going on? Like, what? okay, what do I do? If it's a yearly goal, what's got to change in the next year for you to get there? Like, what What are the things holding you back? Okay, well, let's now let's zero and let's do it a quarter. So what do we have to work on? So if it's like delivery of service, I'm not sure how to do this thing. I'm not sure how to do that thing. Um, I've got a lot of clients leaving. You know, first, you've got to be able to, kind of step back and really assess the situation as it is. Let your ego go to the side a little bit and say, well, I'm actually not delivering these great results. Um, I think you should always be learning as a trainer, right? Things change so fast that you've got to build that piece in. So with your continued education, early on, I would split it probably like 75 to training and then 25 to the business marketing how do i get myself out there and i say early on i'm thinking you know till you get to five eight thousand dollars a month in revenue that you're generating from clients because at that point a lot of it is like can i get good results can i deliver and can i communicate what am i doing with my clients in a way that they understand after that you start to shift and it's probably like 50 50. Um, and then when you start to build a team you're less in the day-to-day in the trenches now it's probably shifts and goes like 75, 25 on the other end of the spectrum. And those are really rough numbers. Um, it really comes down to like what's holding you back right now. Yeah. What do I learn? What don't I learn? Um, and then the methods of continued education. There's so much information out there. Yeah. What do I do? So, I mean, you can go read online. You can listen to podcasts. You can do all these things. Um, I want to eliminate as much of the interference or like noise as I can. So for me, for continuing education, like live events are number one. Yeah. If I can get to something and get around people, because now not only do I get to learn from those experts, I can ask them questions, but I can also get around other people that are like me, which I don't get a lot of times as a fitness professional. Like maybe the other trainers in the gym, depending on where you work, as you go out on your own, now you're really isolated. Yeah. <laughs> and so you don't get that interaction and that can elevate your game as well. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, this person's doing this. And it also allows you to kind of compare like, where am I? Um, how much do I really know? Uh, where am I at in this whole like kind of ranking or hierarchy of what I should learn? Um, and if the right event, a lot of times you can get the business stuff there as well. Um, I think we're seeing that a lot more. Well, we should actually mention, because I know you've got a, <clears throat> a couple events coming up, uh, one in September. So do you want to actually mention your events and what you're going to do yeah. with those things? Because some we well, have a lot yeah. of trainers listening. And if they're actually thinking about some of the same things, that certainly I know that I am, and uh, then there might be some well, value in com- and going to one of those. What I was going to say, we met, like, I we just met in Kansas City and, yeah. like, you're sitting down there prepping for your little speech, eat breakfast, and we're just talking. And like that doesn't happen if you're not at a live event. Yeah, no, it was really super cool to get to hang out and talk one on one at this thing. That that Kansas City fitness, we've mentioned it on half the podcast we have recorded, and I'd say at least half the guests are people that I personally met and have become friends uh, because of you know going there last year and now this past year again. So this is a really super event. So, so plug them, man. Yeah. Let's, let's hear it. All right, so. Um, our big event, we do an annual summit. It's going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana this year, uh, September 14th and 15th. It's called the Elite Fitness and Performance Summit. Um, it is a blend of business and training. Um, so, or like, you know, the business and the tactical side of things. So we go heavy on the business stuff. That's what we do. It's 75% of it, but we also bring in uh, experts. So we've got Brett Bartholomew. He's nice. coming in. Nick Tuminello, Evan Osar. Um, Jim Kilbasso, Danny Almeida from Original Strength. Um, we have them coming in and they'll talk about a little bit of both, right? Like, here's what you have to do to be good at your craft. Here's what you need to do to be an excellent coach, trainer, uh, help people with nutrition. Here's some of those skills, but also here's how we translate that into the business side of things. Here's how it helps you with that. Um, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the business stuff as well. So, sales, marketing, um, essentially throughout my journey. Uh, moving through each stage of a business owner that you need. So how to sell, how to market, how to create systems, how to delegate, how to hire, how to communicate, how do you manage your time and your priorities and all that fun stuff. Um, so EliteFitnessAndPerformanceSummit.com, that's our big annual event. Um, that's the the one, like we love every person that doesn't hasn't had a chance to work with us, meet us in person, um, be there. 
you know, a lot of the guys that we probably interviewed or talked about, like Pete spoke, um, Tony Ginocore spoke. In fact, I just was on with Tony. Um, he can't make it this year. I had another conflict, but like our speakers are always bummed when they can't make it. Uh, it's a pretty cool experience, uh, different than the fitness summit experience. Yeah. That, that's one you can't <laughs> replicate. Yeah. Um, but we have a, a really cool experience, and it's just like I can't describe it unless you're there. Um, and I think it's one of the better events out there. Like, we don't, it's not a thousand people, it's a couple hundred people. And so you're going to get to talk to those speakers. Like we make sure that they're present. We make sure that they're sitting in the audience. Um, you know, Mark Fisher spoke at it last year. So, um, we bring in the big names, we share our information as well, and we provide a really cool experience. So we'd love to have anyone that is listening that's interested there. They have questions they can always hit me up well, and let me know and that just goes back to that whole idea of like there's legit people there that have a proven track record and those are the types of i guess business experiences if you're wanting to look to go forward that, that i don't know when i'm evaluating things from like an objective level like that seems more realistic than other stuff and it's probably Here's like how much is that thing about events too and it's probably why we don't have a thousand person registration yeah is we don't bring in the multi-million dollar like, business owner all the time, right? We might have one or two of them in there, but so we brought in some keynotes that are big players in yeah. other industries, not just the fitness industry. But a lot of times what people do at these events is they bring in these aspirational speakers, the, the social media influencer who has a million followers, the person running a nine-figure business, all these things, right? And that's amazing. Like That's cool. Aspire to be like that. But how relevant is that to the trainer that's like, I just want to make 50 grand this year? Like, what what possible tactics and strategies could they share with yeah. that? And I get why people go to those things because yeah. they, they want to be a part of that. But we try to bring in and, and we're going to share like some of our coaching clients. They'll share things that are working with their business, what's working right now. Like, we're going to get you a little closer to where you're at so yeah. that you have strategies you can walk out of there with right now not the like the how do i start a supplement dynasty or something yeah like the insane. secret to like a multi-million dollar company it's like that's ah, a little bit you're a little bit away from that and so like probably not gonna work and maybe it will but um okay let's let's get back to the the online coaching thing and i guess there's been a well there is a rise of the online coaching and i don't know it, it's kind of do you think that there's a net positive here with I guess the fitness industry and the consumer base and kind of what are the potential problems as we switch more to, I guess, online training, but also that being a more attractive option for new trainers to get into just because of the money aspect. Yeah. The, the online training piece, um, I have this really weird love hate relationship with it. Yeah. I understand the appeal. I get why this is another like opportunity. Trainers are burnt out. They're tired of working all the time. This is going to be easier. Um, so people come in and sell them. Here's how to do online training. Same thing. Guys doing it really well. Guys not doing it so well. Um, so I think overall net positive, right? Um, because I think any changes in innovation like that and with the technology that we have, I don't see it as being a threat to, to in-person training either. I don't think that's ever going to go away. There are always going to be people that need the interaction. Like they need somebody in the gym working with them or they want to be a part of that community that you don't get in that like online world. Um, so I do think it's a net positive because now great coaches can have a bigger audience. So they're not confined to this one thing. Um, coaches can also help people that maybe couldn't afford the one-on-one -on -one training or in-person training now and service these clients in a way that maybe makes sense for them, whether it's a hybrid model or all online or whatever it might be. Um, in fact, one of my former interns uh, and a teammate of mine, a really cool story. Um, his name's Devin Moore and, uh, he it was really successful, but right out of college, like, he found out he was going to be a dad. And was like scared to death, didn't know what he was going to do. Um, and so he just went and got jobs, right? Like he was like a parking attendant for a while. Um, he worked for the city. But all this time he was he was asking to intern at my business. And he interned. And the dude rode his bike for miles, like across a, an interstate to get to the gym every day. On top of working the full-time job and taking care of his son as a single dad. And had this passion. Well, he couldn't ever afford to just jump into training and start a job training because he had his other obligations. 
But what he did do is he started sharing his own personal journey, then coaching some clients online and just like he just started and dove into it. Um, now he's got a thriving like six figure online business. And um, recently through this time, I've helped him start his studio. Um, and he's just freaking crushing it in his studio now too. Um, so that's like an opportunity he never would have got if he'd have had to jump into this. And he's somebody that should be in this industry. So those are the reasons why I think it's a net positive overall, yeah. like all the people he's able to help. Um, so I think that's like, that's where we're at with this. What were the other parts of the questions? I rambled on and forgot about it. No, I, that, that was largely it. <laughs> Just uh, another perspective. Like, honestly, that perspective I wouldn't even have thought about, right? Because you get so like bombarded with stuff that you almost think like, is it good? Is it not? But like absolutely on that end of things, like there is, there, there absolutely is a net positive. If I'm thinking about it critically. Here's the only other real part was, uh, you asked, uh, what, are there any potential problems to the industry as a whole with the the dramatic rise that we've seen in online coaching. I'm glad you brought that up. I know like dangerous, right? Yes. Um, it takes these people that don't have any experience working with human beings in person. Yeah. They have zero experience programming, doing all this and they throw them in the online world and they think they're going to go tackle the world, right? They're going to go help everyone across the entire universe. And that's the danger. That's the downside is it lowered the barrier, the entry, the barrier to entry in our industry is already low. Hmm. It lowered it even more yeah. with this. Um, and so for all the stories of the Devons, there's the other people out there that have no business training clients. They don't know the first thing about helping someone accomplish their goals. They're just kind of doing what they did or whatever. And that's, that's the big danger, I think, is it's like, what impact does that cause to the people that are paying them for their services, to the people they actually do reach? The other danger is it's so appealing to market that, the like lifestyle, never go back to the gym, work whenever you want, make six figures as an online trainer world, that people kind of forget. Like it, It's because it's online business doesn't make it easier. Like. Very few people are living a lifestyle business of working four hours a, a day and living by the beach, right? Like, it just very rarely happens that way. And if they did, they got there because they, they put in the work. Online business is online business. You're going to have to work there, right? Business is business. Same skills, same principles apply, just a different environment. So I think that's the danger is people like people that should be training in person could have a very successful brick and mortar studio or in-person training business jump right to the online and they struggle and struggle and so then they leave the industry altogether because it's marketed in this way that gives them this unreachable unattainable goal that's way out there that they'll never hit and i've seen a lot of that too and there are prominent people in different you know, online instagram or in the training world who they, they seem like they are selling that idea you know life on the beach and I think it can really work for some people, but I think it's a false promise to many. And the online coaches of people, I'll use Patrick Humphrey as a really good example because Patrick's a really classy, quality guy who I think a lot of people in the industry know him personally. He's just a super human being. He's been on our podcast. And Patrick's an online coach exclusively. And I, I haven't seen Patrick take vacation or anything like that. He's got a pretty normal life. He does magic on the side as sort of a second gig. And, you know, the guy is really working hard. He pours his heart and his guts right into every client that he works with. He runs Eat, Train, Progressus online group. And I would say Patrick puts as many, if not more, hours into his online work than a lot of in-person coaches do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't think Patrick is making seven figures doing it. So... I don't want to uh, speculate too much on someone's income level, but, uh, and I know he's successful, but, uh, it's, you know, Patrick does not portray glamour in his message. And maybe that's just it. Maybe he just glosses over anything that's kind of flashy about it. But, um, he is a hardworking guy, very blue collar, very earnest and cares a lot about people. I think he's doing it the right way. Yeah. It sounds like it. Like right? that's, that's how it should be done. I mean, I know our business is all online, right? And by every stretch of the imagination, I mean, I should just like walk in the office and money should fall from the sky. And, you know, that's how people would agree. I, I put in just as many hours now as I did when I was running the gym or, or close to it. I have maybe a little bit more flexibility, but it's, yeah, it's still work. Like, right, the business principles are still the same. If I can't market and get somebody to invest in their services with me in person, like, 
you're never going to be able to attract people to pay you a decent amount to do online training because right? there is so much. You, you think competition is hard in your community right now? Step out into the online world and then see how competent, how uh, how competitive it is out there. Like now, you're playing with some big players that have a lot of money to throw at marketing and will just bury you in their message. So it's not easier by any stretch. It's probably tougher to to do that. Um, there are some benefits, but you know, same thing with the brick and mortar business. Well, I guess we have really done a lot with the business and, the, and that side of stuff. And, you know, a lot of our listeners are still people on their own personal journeys. So I really wanted to make sure we dove into this part. Uh, you built successful businesses because you understood how to help people. You also had your own personal significant fitness transformation. What did you learn from your own weight loss, from your experience, uh, coaching clients, and what could you turn around and say to anyone listening who is just working on themselves, maybe struggling to form habits or they're just working on their own personal transformation? What advice would you give them? First thing, I think, know yourself. That's the, the very first thing. Know what's going to motivate you and elicit change. I knew when I started my transformation, I wasn't going to be able to do the like gradual progression, right? I had to shock my system and kind of jump into something crazy. And, but I also knew that that appealed to me. I was one of the more disciplined people I knew to where if I got a challenge to do something and stick to something, maybe a little outside the box and weird, I would do it for a short period of time. So I don't, you guys remember the velocity diet way back when, like Dan John did it for T Nation. Yep. Yeah. Um, right? Like it was nuts, right? So it was like all shakes and flex. That's how I started my transformation. I did that for, I did two rounds of that. Um, different life. I don't know how I do it right now, but uh, <laughs> like, so I knew myself there, but I also had clients when I worked with them, like that would have never worked, right? I would have, we had to do all the slow and steady approach with it. Um, and I think that's the, the thing long-term, but know yourself and figure out what are, what's going to motivate me, what's going to get me the biggest change. Cause I knew if I started seeing some progress, now I could, I would stick to things and it would, it would transform me and change. So that's the, the first thing. The second is, um, even then, like I'm a big like mentor coach person, right? Go find somebody that can help you do it. Um, trying to do it on your own, and it doesn't mean you have to hire a trainer. It doesn't mean you have to hire a business coach, right? Mentor and coach give me a lot of different things, but go find somebody that can help you do this because you have, when you're setting out to achieve uh, your own goals, whether it's business or fitness, you're at point A, right? And point A is your before. And that's how you feel right now, how you see yourself right now, what you look like right now, or what your business looks like right now. And you've got point B. And point B is that's how I'm going to feel when I hit my goal, how I think I'm going to look, what life's going to be like, how things are going to change. The trouble is it's easy to paint the picture of point A and point B. It's really tough to know how the hell do I get there, yeah. right? Most people can't even see the first step. That's where the mentor and coach comes in, is they get to paint the picture and basically say, all right, you, you're here and you want to go here. Here's how we do that. Here's how I'm going to help you overcome these obstacles. Here's the things that you're going to run into that are going to cause you a problem. So weight loss example, you want to lose 30 pounds. Cool. First 10 are going to be really easy. Um, so all we got to do is make these small changes, right? We're going to start there. We'll evaluate how that's going. Um, but here's what's going to happen. Like all of a sudden you're going to have this awesome weight loss and it's going to just come to a screeching halt. Like things are just going to stop. So what do you do? Here's what you're going to want to do. Go back to your old habits. Go back to this. Stop working out. Um, throw a little pity party and, you know, drink yourself under the table or go eat all this food or whatever their big thing is, right? That's what you're going to want to do. But trust me. We're going to stay there for a little bit. Next thing you know, we'll make a few changes and you'll see the drop again. So a good coach or mentor, somebody that can help you see what's going to happen before it's there and help you avoid it or get through it. Because sometimes you just got to go through that process. Um, so even with my journey, um, I hired coaches to get me to my end transformation. Um, I was in the precision nutrition. I see the water bottle there. So yeah. oh, I went through that lean eating coaching program, right? So I was certified with them. I knew everything, but I hired them to help me for a year. Then at six months, I said, I'm going to win this thing. Like I told my coach, I'm going to win it. He was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Watch. And so then I hired a prep coach to help me. I was like, <laughs> I want in like 
bodybuilding shape. I'm still going to do the program, but I did. So I hired a prep coach to get me through the last six months, and I came in second in that contest. I still think I should have won. So John's listening. I'm like, I should have won that contest, John. That's ridiculous. You're done, uh, John, but- John Berardi. Uh, I don't think we've gotten John Berardi listening to us just yet, but. I guess, uh, you know, he's on a... I know John well. We exchange emails all the time. I still give him a hard time about that. I'm like, John, I should have won. You know it. P.S. P.S. Every email. It's like, hey, man. I've got a list of people that, you know, I would imagine I would love to see on this podcast. And there's actually a small list of people I would never let get on here. Uh, But Berardi is... And he does very, very few. You know, he's really risen to a point now in his career where he's very selective what he does. It would be really cool to to one day get him on here. But, you know, he's not the sort of guy like most other people in the industry who will really give their time because they're out there. He's not the guy you just email up and not knowing him. I'm going to I'm gonna just, I'm just going to start a Facebook page. Like, <laughs> Ryan should have won Facebook page. <laughs> and just take him, like, in everything. I'm not better about it. I'm not better about it at all. Not at all. And then he'll be like, he'll just think you did it. It'll be great. <laughs> like, you're still holding on to this? I, I don't think... Like from what I've gathered about John, I don't think John pays that's, much attention. To that that's kind of why stuff. you're successful. <laughs> that that one loss has has yeah. p- pivoted right. you to this whole thing. thing. You're still trying yeah. to win that competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan, Ryan went it. out and signed with the Lakers. Right. He went out and signed I with the Lakers. Right? Like, I still think I should have won. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. We found out the reason why you're so successful. That one moment in time. I really do. the the thrill to win. Like I. I don't know if I hate to lose or love to win more. Probably hate to. I love to win. I think that's the thing. I ask that question when I interview people all the time. Like, do you hate to lose? Do you love to win? Um, I think you got to love to win because just like if you hate to lose, it'll drive you for so long. But you're going to suffer some losses. Um, you know, we've had to endure a lot of stuff, whether it's through your transformation or through business or whatever, your fitness, whatever it is. You're going to suffer some losses. So you got to love the win so much that you'll do whatever it takes to get that win and um, kind of embrace the failure piece of it. Um, so I, I agree. Yeah, it definitely helps with the success piece. So. Absolutely. It was like that whole idea, like, yeah, if you're always thinking of the loss, like, <laughs> you're going to lose. Like, if you have no resiliency if you're like, if you get one loss and like you hate it so much, you just crumble. Like, they're coming. How are we doing yeah. on time there, Ryan? How much time you got? We don't want to. Yeah, we can go. Let's do another ten minutes. You good? Yeah, that yeah, sounds good. So, yeah. if it gets awesome, maybe I'll just like skip lunch. Yeah, we don't want to make you skip lunch. Man, you got so much flexibility. If you took that, like, he has this little scene there. There's actually a beach behind there. It's just a green screen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I have not made it to green screen levels yet. <laughs> One day, you you could even do the whole thing where like your shirt. It's like you have no pants on, but you still have the plaid. It'll be great. Well, it'd be great. It'd be like another Wayne's World reference, but we could have like a thing where he's traveling to Delaware behind him on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're planning the future. It's great. Um, fitness marketing and sales. Um, we kind of, we'll talk about the negative thoughts, probably because everyone's kind of hit in the face with a lot of this marketing stuff. What would you say to professionals who shy away from marketing and sales? And I guess how would you cons- encourage consumers to approach interacting with fitness marketing and sales to ensure that they get great service and they avoid all the bad stuff that comes with the other aspect of it. So if you avoid marketing and sales as a fitness pro, you're, I think it's selfish, honestly. Um, It's kind of that, like, I just want people to come to me. Like you must be pretty arrogant to think that people would just come to you because I'm awesome at what I do and you should just come flood into the gym and attract me. Like that means you, you just don't want to work at it. People that say that, I truly believe like you, again, you have to be great at what you do. I only want you to market and sell aggressively if you're great at it and it's done ethically. But if you avoid it altogether, it's either because you're scared. What if I do it and it doesn't work? What if I do it and I'm not good at it? Um, you have some negative belief internally. We get put in this from like, from the time we're kids, right? Like, you know, save all your money, just do this, this, and this. And like, it's hard to have shift the beliefs people have about marketing and being sold to. Um, and so if you're not comfortable with that yourself, for example, um, if you take a million days to figure out, to buy something really simple, right? Like I'm just going to investigate every price point. I'm going to go through like, it's this long process. Like you're never going to get people to make a decision on the spot because you don't value that. Like you don't truly value that. So you have to have your own belief system about marketing and selling and how you make purchase decisions to really change all that. And that's tough to do. 
Um, but you're selfish if you don't, or really arrogant if you think you shouldn't have to market and sell to run a great business or to attract clients. Um, of this is there are other people out there, and there's not ever going to be a shortage of people that are unethical and willing to go market in any way possible. That won't change. So you can do one of two things: bitch about it and just be a part of the problem, or Learn how to market and sell. Go out there and do it the way that you know that you can do it in the right way and compete against those people. Show the consumer that there is a better way to go do this. And so I think that's what goes into to all this. And the other piece is a lot of times they don't want to do it because they don't know how. Where do I start? It'd be like handing kind of somebody that maybe is loves the gym or loves working out and then just saying like, hey, cool design a really well thought through program and lay it out in a nice template. They wouldn't even know where to begin with how to do that. Same thing with the, the fitness profession who has to market. They don't know where to start. Um, and they're just pitched a lot of stuff. So that's where I would start with the fitness professional. With the consumers out there, looking to engage with the sales and marketing process is one, know that you have ultimate control. Right? You get to say no. There's nothing wrong with telling a salesperson no. Most people won't. Um, but like, if you just don't want something, no. So example, I was on a call earlier today where I was looking at another service. Right? I was looking for a service for our business and I got the worst sales pitch I've ever gotten in my life. It was, it wasn't the worst ever. It was bad though. Um, <laughs> and at the end I just was like, no, I, I like, I can say this both a bunch of time. I, I stopped and I was like, no, I'm not gonna do this. Like I asked him one question. He didn't ask me one question the whole time. Um, he pitched me this like slide deck. And then, like, just threw out the price. Like, it'd be $13,000 for this. And I was like, okay. So, like, what could I expect for that? Oh, he couldn't give me an answer. Okay, well, how is that different than this? Couldn't give me an answer. I was like, okay, I'm going to save this a lot of time. No. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, no. I'm like, I'm a salesperson. I get it. I'm just going to tell you no because I don't want you following up with me. And I don't want you to think that there's ever a chance that you'll get me to buy this. <laughs> so, as the consumer, I had the ultimate control there, right? Like, I, I just get to tell him no. Now, I get how the whole thing goes, so it's easy for me. But you get to know that. Two is really sit back and think about, is this who I want to be involved with? Like, And the, the problem is, is it's like almost, am I being preyed on because of my insecurities? And there's a difference between, I think, being preyed on and then somebody highlighting someone's insecurities or these challenges that they're going through. Um, and so it's usually like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Um, so, you know, whether it's like weight loss pills that they're being marketed to or a transformation program that's promising some sort of weird, insane results. Um, I think you have to think about like, is it too good to be true? Um, but I think if you know that I always have control as a consumer, then it never scares you to engage with marketing or sales because you can always cut it off at any point in time. Um, and then thinking, just kind of evaluating, like, do I align with this person? Like, what about this makes me want to work with this person or attracts me to this company? Is it just this big promise or is there something else there that, that makes them feel like they understand me? Um, that's an interesting question from the consumer side because I'm sure that there's more to it, but it's always one of those, like, I think about how I interact you, with You answered it, man. When you, I just, go you, that. you walked through the sales process. You're like, yeah. they couldn't answer, like, basically simple questions. And he was just like, yeah, it's like, it probably was a higher-end product, so he's like, you'll fucking buy it. And you're like, well, there's a few other competitors, and like, he's probably just so used to it. But that's exactly the answer. I would. Yeah. I was, like, listening to that, I'm like... Man, that's what I. That's a great way of dealing with it. I usually am just really nice, yeah. and then I'll just. Most people are that. nice, and that's yeah. like the salesperson's worst nightmare. Yeah. Is like most people, they lie unintentionally. Yeah. So the consumer always lies because they don't want to hurt your feelings, no. right? They don't want to tell you no. They don't want to do this stuff. As a salesperson, like a maybe is the worst answer I could get, or let me think about. You gotta it. do more work because I don't know what you're thinking. I'd rather like yes or no and if it's no I can move on like that's totally cool and we're in Canada like uh, everyone's nice we're like I'm so sorry <laughs> no, I got to hit on a point too something that I kind of learned early in my career if you know you're a fitness professional and in the sales process and if you experience a sense of relief when you get a no from a potential client early on and it's gets the whole thing over you need to take a good hard look at 
what's going on there? Because clearly you're intimidated by and apprehensive about that experience because no one should ever experience a sensation of relief when it's like, oh, I got the no that I don't have to push anymore. Uh, you're not confident in what you're doing yourself, that's for sure, or at least you're uncomfortable with the sales process. So that at least warrants a deeper look at that because ultimately you're going to get a lot of no's and you're not going to be very busy and then you're not helping people with the skills that you do have and they're going to get in front of someone else who can sell and as Ryan's mentioned there's a lot of people out there who are unethically doing it they may not have the skills to help those people and bottom line is if you're a really good skilled fitness professional who is uncomfortable with sales and marketing and you can really help people they're going to get in front of someone else who may not have your ethics who may not have your skills and you are really doing those people a disservice if they do, in fact, really need your help. You get someone who's overweight, pre-diabetic, on the road to some serious health issues later on in life, you are in a very prime position to help that person and alter their life. If you fail to do that consistently, you're actually failing people to do something greater. Okay, hit them with the book one. Yeah. So, Sorry, before you go, you have to like, you have to answer your book question. Absolutely. So... Uh, I would be really surprised with your experience if you hadn't had a few really great books that helped frame your mindset, your philosophies, contributed to your success, you know, career-wise or even maybe personally. Is there anything that you'd recommend to our audience? You're shaking your head. You're nodding your head like you. I don't read books. I now I go in an ebbs and flows, so listen to a lot of books. That's what um, I that works now, too. more so now. Um, and podcasts even more so. Things like the audio thing is really catching on. But I've got books in my home office. Is We bought this house on Remit, like a huge selling point with that. There's an office in the house, and one entire wall is built-in bookshelves. Um, nice. So that I had a place to put all my books. Like That was a huge selling point for the house. Um, so we do read quite a bit. I think this really depends on where you're at. Uh, question's always tricky for me. It's like, where are you at? Um, what did I read most recently um, that might make an impact on this? So, your favorite book? I, yo, or just your favorite book? Just my favorite book. All right, long question. So, I think every trainer, Ultimate Sales Machine, um, Chet Holmes. By Chet Holmes. Yes, nice. Good I book. think that lays out a lot of the marketing and sales piece. It just kind of gets you off the ground, helps you tell your story a little bit. Um, I am huge right now. So I'll give you some more to like what other ones should be like transformational. The Power of Thinking Big was a good book as well. Um, I don't see a lot of people talking about it, but it's all about your mindset. Um, how am I going to go about making these big changes? How am I going to go about accomplishing my big vision, especially when I get beat up all the time? Um, I'll give you those two because I think Ultimate Sales Machine gets hit, you know, recommended quite a bit. Um, but that's kind of foundational. In fact, I've read it two or three times. I pulled it back out because I needed to reference it to brush up on a few things. Um, so it's been a, a big, a big one for me. Awesome. 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 Uh, I'll throw one more out there too that I really like because we're, this episode's really been about sales and business and stuff. It is influenced by, uh, Robert Cialdini. That one's a core, that's a sales Bible. And you're nodding your yes. head like a, if someone isn't seeing the video on this one, he's not his head with a big smile like, oh, yeah, that one is great. I was reading it during the time when I was buying my Jeep and the dealership did several of the, th the manipulative things wrong, like in the textbook, the way that he described them. And it actually helped me save, well, save a lot of money during the purchase process, but also be in control of it and being able to say no and walk away to which they came back with a better offer, let's just say. And ultimately, I took it because it did work out in my favor, but I was ready to tell this dealership to go fuck themselves and go somewhere else. So oh. that, that book really helped out a lot. I'm, look, I'm looking at my bookshelf. I'm like, what book am I going to recommend? You know what? No, I got to I don't, I don't want to recommend one. Ask ask them about how people can find it. Because okay. ultimately, what we really want people yeah. to do is to take our guests. We don't pick our guests just randomly. We pick our guests because these are awesome people we really want to share with you guys. You should be following Ryan, so... Where do you consume you? Like, where if they want to work with you, or, if, like, where's the best place to find all your stuff? So, all my stuff, um, hmm. frnation.com is, like, our home base, right? So, free resources. I put out more content than I think just about anybody, so... Um, they can get a ton of information like blog posts, videos, stuff there to get started. If that just like trips your trigger and you're like, man, this dude's awesome or I really like what they're saying, it's really easy to figure out how to take the next steps with you. Um, I'm a marketer and salesman through and through, so there will be call to actions all through all my content <laughs> to, to figure that next piece out. 
that's like the hub. Um, social media, if they want to follow me, Instagram is that's where I'm at most of the time now, and where I engage most. Um, I'm on Facebook too, but Instagram's easy. It's at RT Ketchum, um, or if you just look up Ryan Ketchum, you see my picture on there. Mm-hmm. Um, at RT Ketchum, that's where they can hit me up there, and uh, love to just connect with anyone, interact. I won't hound you too much with direct messages, pitching, coaching. I promise. Turn your 10K business into six figures tomorrow. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much. We're going to let you get to your lunch and your day. You and I actually have to end up talking really soon, too. So I'll shoot you a message, and I'd like to set up a chat this week um, and just to explore some stuff uh, because I see a lot of value in what you've been talking about for a while and, you know, talking to you in Kansas City. Just made a sale, man. Jesus. Maybe. So we'll see. I, <laughs> hey, remember, I still am in control and I can say no, right? So Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, what you, yeah you know what? Just right, no. Shit, I shouldn't have said And that then part. we're going on the next podcast. Worst pitch ever the other day. <laughs> Who was it? We yeah. won't air you out on the podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening. No, right? I hope you do. If, if I mess it up or something <laughs> happens, like if it's absolutely the worst pitch, Please tell everybody because they deserve to know. We'll just, like I think they should know that. We'll tack yeah. it on the intro. <laughs> might, might, might have more to do with what, what I can afford in my budget. But uh, guys, seriously, follow Ryan. He actually is full of graded stuff. Like he said on his Instagram, uh, puts up a ton of stuff in his stories. There's a lot of really practical takeaway stuff. Get on his emailing list. He puts out a, pumps out a ton of information. If you are a trainer who really, even if you're nowhere near the possibility of having the budget to afford this sort of thing right now and you're kind of newer, just follow all the stuff he's putting out there because you might be in that position one day. I've actually been getting Ryan's emails for years. So uh, this just could be something that sets you on the right road and helps you out a lot because he puts out a ton of really great places. He's a normal dude. So yeah. that's, that, that's I, a good story. I try to be pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. Class. There's, there's, the there's no right? ostentation. It's like a bullshit. sales thing we got to address. And I'll skip lunch for this is that... Very rarely does anyone not like, if they don't get out of their comfort zone a little, nobody budgets for coaching or continued edge, right? It has to be an ROI, like a return on investment. It's an investment into that. So even if it's not coaching, I totally get it. Like not everybody's ready for that right away, but just go apply the information, right? Invest your time into it or or whatever it might be. Um, We've got tons of free courses that, that are available too. So I'm happy to interact with anyone, but don't think about budget because it's always like, I don't have the budget for that. Very few people do. Um, it's kind of like with their fitness, right? It's They don't budget in three, four, or $500 a month for the trainer necessarily, but they know that the end outcome that they're going to get is going to save them that money in the long run. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to you're gonna ask people to pay you to coach them, sometimes you need to invest in you um, and get a coach for yourself. It goes back to that value, I believe. But uh so, and don't be scared. Like, I'm, you know, we don't. He's wearing plaid. He can't be that crazy. No worries. <laughs> See, that's how you deal with an objection right there. Yeah, so I'll let you go grab some lunch and go have an awesome day. We'll be chatting soon. And, uh, guys, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Shut up and sit down.